looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today's episode, I'm going to be sitting in by myself again, just like I was last week. Haven't had too much time to bring a guest on the show, so that's why I'm doing a shorter episode. In other news, I just got an appraisal back on one of my Burr properties I've been working on. The appraisal came back a whopping $18,000 over what I projected, which is great, great, great news for me. That means I get to pull out all of the capital I invested for my purchase price and my rehab, and I even get to pull some money out so I have quote-unquote negative dollars in the deal. So I pulled back my, I get back my initial investment total plus some extra money, which is great. So I just have to run the numbers to make sure I want to pull out a few extra thousand dollars. Um, In other news, today what we're going to be talking about though is with syndications, with my partner and I doing Victory Capital Group, what we look for in a property. So I'm going to do this for a few reasons. One, I want to be able to put out there for you guys what we're looking for in a property and understand why we're looking for these things to kind of give you guys a better idea. And then if you have a property that meets all these requirements, bring it on over to us and let's see how you can benefit from it for us. If we move forward with the property, you bring us something, we're going to give you something in return, whether that's equity, dollar amount, or something, partnership. We'll work that out behind the scenes and figure out what works best for all parties. So with these syndications, we have investors. So the first thing we're always looking at is the property must cash flow from day one. The reason why we want the property to cash flow from day one is because we have investors that want to get paid. I don't know about you, but I want to get paid if I'm investing in something. I don't want to sit in the sideline too long unless it's a really heavy value add and we know it's a home run. But we want the property to cash flow from day one. And we're willing to let the cash flow be a little less, so to speak, at the beginning, but we always want to project that it's going to increase. So we can do that refinance, and that's a whole other story. But again, the property must cash flow from day one for ourselves, and more importantly, for our investors. So you're getting a return on that money from day one. We like to see that the property has below market rents, and this comes with that value add aspect. So if all the properties in the immediate one to three mile radius that are similar, similar bed to bath size, square footage, and actually how the property is kept and how updated the units are, if they rent for a thousand and let's say the rent is 800 at the place that we're buying, we love that because it's a $200 spread of where we can raise that rent up to, raise the NOI. So we like that. That's going to give us some room to add value to the property. So we want to purchase the property based off that 800 rent, that 800 per unit NOI, and increase it to $1,000 per unit for rent and increase it to that NOI. That's the name of the game. That's the value-add strategy we are looking to do. Um, obviously, it has to be a value-add. So you know something that's a little bit older that has a little bit of deferred maintenance, and we'll get into that in a little bit in a second we're going to take after. So um, when I say deferred maintenance, I mean a manageable amount of deferred maintenance. That means it's not something too crazy, not something over the top that we can't handle, like replacing all the roofs, all the furnaces, all the hot water tanks, all the AC units. That's a little bit too much. And that's a large capital raise we have to do at the beginning to get all the capital to do all that. 
maybe let's say there's five different buildings and one of the building needs a new roof and 10% of the furnaces need to be replaced and 5% of the hot water tanks and 10% of the AC units, that's something we're interested in doing. If it's 90% of the furnaces, 50% of the hot water tanks, that's going to start to bring up a pretty big bill. And that's probably not something we're interested in unless we can buy extremely below market value for that property where it makes sense. Other value add aspects, um, we're going to be looking at possible land on the parcel that we're purchasing. So let's say there's, again, five buildings and there's four units per building. We want to be able to have a parcel of land for two things. Well, a few things actually, but the two main ones is can we build another building to build more units to optimize that parcel of land or that space or that physical real estate, that ground that we have purchased? Or can we build possibly self-storage there? The way we like to look at self-storage on a, an existing apartment building, even in an oversaturated market, sometimes we can still get away with doing self-storage because tenants most likely want to have their things right where they live. Whether it's for the same rate or a higher rate, I'd rather have my things in the same spot that I live. So if I live in an apartment building, I want it in the garage right next to the apartment building. I don't want to have to go to a self-storage facility two, three, or even a mile down the road. I'd much rather have it where I'm at. So that's why sometimes we can get away in an overbuilt self-storage market to have that there. So again, we like to have land there. Not always. I mean, we'll still buy a good deal if it doesn't have land, but this is nice to have additional space to build, additional space to develop or build onto our project, add to our our whole investment as a whole. The, sec the other thing that we like to look at, which I think is fairly big, is the unit count. We're looking between 20 to 100 units on a property. Reason being is 20 units or 19 units and below is typically smaller owners. They're doing it kind of part-time. The barrier to entry is very low. Obviously, those two to four units, the barrier to entry is you know, almost non-existent. It's very easy to get into. But that 19 and below, just about anyone can buy those buildings. The barrier to entry is low, so there's a lot of competition there. And we don't like to compete with that because a lot of times you have uneducated investors who are willing to pull the trigger on any price point, even if it doesn't make sense. And we're not willing to compete with that and and buy off of such a high number because of someone else that's bidding the price up because it, they don't know what they're doing. We don't want to deal with that. The reason why we stay away from, at the moment, 100 units and higher is because usually 100 units and higher, we're dealing with the REITs, the big boys, the publicly or sometimes privately traded investment firms that are trying to get the best deal they can and there's a lot of them and they have a lot more money and they're willing to take a lesser return than we are because of how much farther their money can go we're not that big you know we're small my partner and i are firm and so between the 20 to 100 units really makes sense for what we're going after because th there's not as much competition there that's like the middle of the road so you don't have the little guys you're competing with you don't have the big big guys that you're competing with that have a bunch of money but it's other medium guys like ourselves that kind of understand we have enough money where we don't have to chase over those smaller units, but we don't have enough money where we can do those large ones. So let's be smart with our money. And therefore, the properties, yes, they still get bid up to pretty high values that sometimes we're not willing to pay, but not as high. And it still makes it, there's still competition for us, but it still makes it easier for us to get an asset, acquire an asset in that way. The other thing we're going to look for is the class area. So the most typical you hear is A, B, C, and D class area. The reason why we're looking at a B or C class area, because primarily we'd like to buy 
a C-class property in a B-class area. So we can add value and bring that C-class property up to a B-class property where all the other ones are sitting. It just makes sense. We can buy at a C-class price, sell at a B-class price. It's going to work for us. Sometimes we will look at C-plus areas. Notice how I said plus there, not C-minus. Sometimes C or the middle of the road, the plus and minus, is, it's just like a grading system. Everyone does it a little differently, but that kind of shows me the high or low end of that class area, the B, the C, whatever. Um, we're willing to look at a deal in a C-class area or a C-class age if it makes sense. And I'll get into age in a minute. But again, we really like to be in that B-class area, but buy a C-class property that we can bring up to a B-class, if that makes sense. Definitely encourage you guys to do a little bit more research on what A, B, C, and D properties are like and where they kind of sit. It's going to be based off of age, location, and what condition the property is in. Another one we look for is we want pitched roofs, not flat roofs. And I know it's going to sound crazy, and some of you guys might have never heard this before, but it's something we have heard. Some lenders will not lend on a flat roof. They want to see a pitched roof. Reason being, the flat roof has a lot more maintenance, a lot more drainage you have to take care of, and it's much more expensive to change out. A pitched roof, because it's pitched, the water's not sitting there, the snow, depending on what region you're in, is not just sitting there, it's running off. The life's going to last a little bit longer, the maintenance isn't as long, and a lot of people know how to work on a pitched roof versus a flat roof. We'll look at a property with a flat roof, but the numbers have to be really solid. A pitched roof is really what we're looking for so we can get better lending from our lenders as well. Properties built after 1978 also is something we like to look at. Property, properties built before 1978 have what's called lead paint for the most part. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. That's something we don't want to deal with, especially as older construction as well. The type of plumbing in the home, lath and plaster versus drywall, the insulation type, the wiring type. I mean, the, the list goes on. There's a lot of old construction factors in 1978 builds and older, and that's why we try to stay away from them because it can cost a lot. But the thing is, is sometimes back in the early 1900s or before 1978, some of these homes, some of these buildings were built pretty solid, actually. It just depends on if the numbers work. I've bought buildings built in 1920, 1915, and they're really solid, and I've gutted them, and I got to see what's going on inside, and I was very, very impressed, but that's not always the case. So we typically see that 1978 or 1980s and newer have some pretty good new construction in it, and it's much easier to work with, and it's not as expensive because you're not trying to match the old with the new. It's typically the new with the new. So that's kind of a quick list of what we look for in our properties when we go to purchase them. I hope that helps you guys out and gives you a little bit more knowledge on why we look for those types of properties. If you do have a property or know of a property that meets these criterias, let us know. Shoot me an email at dante at victorycapgroup.com. First, we're going to check out the market, then we'll check out the property because the market matters more for us then we're where or excuse me what the property actually is so where not what that's what we look at because the market's going to dictate a lot for us and we're not just looking at the property itself we're also looking at a five to ten year projection of what we think the property is going to be worth we're looking at our exit strategy which a great buddy of mine wrote a book called the exit plan i'm reading it as soon as i'm done with it i'm going to have him on the show to talk about it because that's something a lot of people don't talk about so Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this quick, short little episode, whether you're listening to it on your way to work or you're driving around looking for properties. 
If you guys do find properties like this or you do have questions about it, let me know directly. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a review. It really does help out the show. And I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.